it's somewhere between this kind of like exciting future technology. For some people, including myself, it's more of like a sci-fi dystopian hellscape. Welcome back to the Digital Desk Podcast. My name is Liz. I'm Robin. And today we are talking about uh, a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Although I'm sure a lot of you have read the title of this episode already and are like, what? What, what is that? <laughs> Everyone I've talked to about it so far is like, what? But Literally me. Yeah. Not too long ago. <laughs> you and I was talking to one of my friends on the weekend too and she was like, okay, but like, what, what is that? Um, but I feel like at the end of this, everyone, you're, you're all going to be like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And it's like such an interesting topic. Um, so yeah. Okay. Let's, I'll get into it. What is this mysterious topic that we're talking about? Um, we're talking about the metaverse and how it relates to museums. So Robin, what do you know about the metaverse? If anything, I know I gave you a bit of a rundown last time we recorded together <laughs> but if you don't remember that's okay no yes okay so what from what i remember the metaverse is connected to facebook somehow i believe it's the same creator and it's this idea that like i don't know i guess it's like sims but with a vr experience and um it just gets crazy because they're trying to mimic real life like even spending money and working but within this vr experience yes exactly you got it I le- I love the Sims comparison because that's how I like that's how best I can understand it as well as like it's like Sims but scarier. <laughs> yeah, because you're actually there and talking, and you could be talking to real life other people, not just the computer. Absolutely, and it's like quite literally and and its entire own economy and its own world. Like, it's it's absolutely crazy. So, uh, defining the metaverse, I'll get into it uh, a little bit more. There is quite I went through quite a rabbit hole um last night when I was researching for this podcast because there are certain things about the metaverse that I knew and like more of like the meta of the metaverse if you will but like the actual nitty-gritty about how things work not so much um so I tried to break it down I had to watch a lot of YouTube videos because my little historian brain like couldn't really wrap my head around it no, fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, okay, we'll start and we'll see where we end up. But the metaverse, uh, if you have heard of it, you've probably heard it, heard of it in a context of like this really big, huge buzzword that's going all around the internet. It's the next best thing. Um, but it's somewhere between this kind of like exciting future technology, which is definitely how like Facebook slash now meta thinks um, that could kind of... Uh, solve all of our problems but for some people including myself it's more of like a sci-fi dystopian hellscape <laughs> because <laughs> honestly though for real though <laughs> it's scary it's so scary especially when you look at like mark zuckerberg's like weird alien face and he's like this is oh this yeah is the best thing ever you're like because he's like you can live your whole life through this I'm going to call it a game, like this game yeah. and never step outdoors once. Exactly. Like that's the idea. <laughs> it's literally like Wally, where we're all just going to be like sitting in our chairs, eating like liquid food and then just like on a screen and we're not going to actually talk to real people. No, not good. We all saw where that movie went. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
So the term metaverse, I didn't know this until I was doing some research. It actually dates back all the way until 1992, if you can believe it. Oh. Yeah. So it was actually coined by uh, an author named Neil Stephenson, and he's a sci-fi writer, and he first used it in his novel called Snow Crash. And he referred to the metaverse as the digital world that exists parallel to the real world. Um, so it's basically, again, how we already understand it. I'm not sure if Zuckerberg, like, read that book and was like, ooh, and then named his company Meta as a way to, like... Yeah, maybe. ...get ahead of the game. But I, so I don't really know, or if it's just, like, a weird coincidence, but I don't think so. Yeah, because every time I think of the word meta, it makes me just think of, like, metaphysics, like, in yeah. philosophy, where it's, like, something is commenting back on our reality as, like, almost a joke. Exactly, which is, like, just what the metaverse is. It's, like, a digital version of that. Yeah. So, um, according to Matthew Ball, who's a venture capitalist, uh, he was talking with Vice, and he described the metaverse as a 3D version of the internet and the 3D version of, kind of, computing at large. So... If you can think of it um, kind of like a progression, just like how computer interactions, like we first uh, interacted with computers through text, so like emails, messages, um, and reading, that kind of thing. And now it's grown to media-based. So that's like our social media, you know, TikTok, Instagram. So it's all video, it's photo. Podcasts is the same thing where you're listening to someone's voice as opposed to like reading like a text or something. Um, and now they're saying that the metaverse is going to be the 3D phase, the next phase of the internet, which everything is going to be 3D. So it's going to be immersive. You're going to be able to actually like put yourself into the internet as opposed to you just like passively engaging with it. Yeah, that's wild. It's so wild. And again, like it just, the idea is like cool, but I'm like, how is that actually going to happen? Because I don't know. No, yeah. Like, are we... Well, I, I heard recently on the radio that Tesla even is just making these full body suits where you can feel interactions like through the like VR. And if someone were to touch your arm with this suit on, you would feel it. So I'm sure this is where it's going to. Where is that a black? There's like an episode of something. I don't know if it was Black Mirror. I think it's Black Mirror. Or there's like the sex suits. <laughs> yeah. Well, literally, that's what they said on the radio. They're like, and of course, someone turned that to sex immediately. Yeah. It's like, what else is it going to be? And you like rent, literally. you rent the sex suits and it's like, like gross. Oh, no. <laughs> and now the metaverse is already dirty. It's already ruined dirty. It. It's gross. <laughs> So it's already like the wild, wild west, honestly. Oh, completely. <laughs> so Ball says that if we think of like a mobile phone that like we're placing a computer, a mini computer in our pocket um, and that you can have the Internet available at all times on your phone, the metaverse is a way of always being within a computer. So rather than like us having a computer, we're like in a computer. Which, again, is terrifying. But yeah, so that's kind of how it works. So the metaverse is essentially a 3D model of the internet. And it's also going to be like a digital copy of our physical world. So instead of going to your actual apartment, you could have a virtual apartment. Uh, instead of going to a bookstore, uh, you could do your online shopping. But instead of doing your online shopping through like just a web page, you would be like in a digital store. Um, which is just crazy. And same thing with like, you know, like instead of getting a coffee in like a real cafe, you could go to a digital cafe and like pay for a digital coffee with Bitcoin. Which <laughs> is like, I don't know oh why you do gosh. that. Oh my gosh. So as crazy as it seems, um, the metaverse is 
almost real. It's not like up and running yet. And I'll go into that a little bit more. Uh, but it's extremely lucrative already. It's actually projected to become an $800 billion market by 2024. Whoa. So just two years. Yes, oh my God. Crazy. So that's why it's that's still so much money. And again, it's like it doesn't even fully exist right now. So no. what is it going to look like in just two years for that much money? And we're just talking about, like, items and things that are just going back into each other. It's not like we're making a product that someone can hold. Exactly. That's the thing. So I'll get a little bit more into the whole, like, the physical aspect of it, too, because it is super interesting. It's like, what does that mean for the physical world? Like, because you only access it digitally. So, yes, it's crazy. But that's why Microsoft and Apple and Google and, of course, Meta, Facebook are all investing, like, buckets of money into this thing i don't know if like the worth of it is just projected because like people it's just such a buzzword or like if it actually is going to be worth something other than like there's already a lot of people who are super into like cryptocurrency and stuff like they're already very much interested in the metaverse like day-to-day actual real life people i don't know how many people are actually going to want to do that yeah i don't know not many people really talk about it nowadays anyways like or they still don't know what it is so exactly it's very interesting so i'm like okay two years what's gonna change in two years because that's not much time i mean we're almost at we're almost one year away technically because it's almost 2023 but well, i know i don't want to <laughs> that year is not real time time ah. <laughs> so um because there's a lot of money into this um or the reason why they're throwing so much money into the metaverse, a lot of it comes down to ownership. So if we think about ownership in the metaverse, knowing what you know now, what do you think the metaverse could mean when we apply it to museums? I have like two trains of thoughts when it comes to what it means for museums. My first one, and what the one I'm thinking about hopefully, is um, accessibility. So like, I can't just fly across the ocean and go to the, uh, any museum in Europe, but if it were on the metaverse, maybe I could just walk in. Yeah. But then my other train of thought is that won't happen because like everything, like most art pieces are, are copyrighted. So you can't just take like a digital copy of it and then put it up in this metaverse for free for someone to look at. Like it just... I don't know, it just doesn't work like that. So it could even just put up a, an even bigger barrier to seeing uh, museums and, and interacting with them. Yeah, I agree. And I also think like, okay, who is going to actually have access to this technology? Like, do all of us have oh, VR yeah. headsets or whatever that you can like actually experience nope. it? Right? So as opposed to, you know, and, and is it the same as going and seeing the Mona Lisa in person or just googling a picture of the Mona Lisa and just looking at it right yeah yeah I hope we get more into that too because like there we is will. yeah so I, interesting. I, I don't get it I don't get it either I don't get the appeal um but that's why I think ownership is really important and why it's kind of a conundrum with museums because museums aren't really about ownership to begin with but the metaverse currently is very focused on like owning digital things and the wealth and um stuff that apl- it applies to them So I'll explain a little bit how ownership works in the metaverse, because it's very different to own a digital thing versus an actual physical thing. (laughs) So with the metaverse being a copy of the digital world, that means that you can own a digital copy of anything that you can think of. So in real life, I own a cat, my cat, Gigi. In the metaverse, I can own a digital cat, who maybe is also named Gigi. So (laughs) just again, it's like, I don't know why I'd want that. 
But, but you could. But I could. So anything that you can buy your own will also be possible to buy your own in the metaverse, including property and other assets. So how does it work to actually own things in the metaverse? I learned that this is all possible through blockchain. Blockchain took me a lot of time to figure out what the hell it actually is because it's very convoluted. Okay, because I've never heard of this. Uh, me neither. But basically, okay, I like wrote out very intense notes for this because I'm like, I, I think I got it. Amazing. <laughs> So just like how we use the internet to stay in contact with like trusted friends via text, FaceTime, social media, whatever, we usually need a third party, uh, like an intermediary to complete a transaction online. We need something that we can go to to trust, to talk to, to facilitate a transaction because I can't just like send money some random place and it'll either show up in the right place or it'll be safe. So blockchain, well, okay, let me, let me reverse on that as well. So Thinking of that and extending it, we also have a lot of intermediaries in the real world when it comes to money. So, for example, I keep my money in a bank and then the bank charges me interest rates, but then I get to keep my money and I get to withdraw it and I have a visa card and whatever else. Blockchain is essentially proposing that there will be no banks, that there will be no brokerage firms or whatever that we use this kind of like global community that's all existing on the metaverse to legitimize um, like ownership and certain things, which is just like crazy. Yeah. Because you're just like, that's literally, if that happens, like that's an entire structure of how the world works would be changed. Yeah. Entire, like whole millions of jobs, like all sorts of things. That's it. And it would totally undermine our currencies and their value. Exactly. Which is why Bitcoin is like so stupidly like overvalued because okay what's the exact conversion yeah and i know it went down recently but it's still so one bitcoin in u.s dollars is 21 over twenty one thousand dollars <laughs> okay so pay my tuition yeah exactly it's like okay so like no one most people don't who have bitcoin i guess don't own a whole bitcoin even but no, but maybe not. Maybe not. And if you do, you're laughing. Exactly. And is it only worth that much because, like, we are, again, putting so much value on it, being like, this is the next best thing and that kind of thing? Well, that's it because no one's controlling it. Exactly, which is really scary. So with blockchain, uh, what they're proposing is that we do away with third parties and use an open decentralized database of any transaction involving value. So money, property, objects, work. And it's and one thing I even read was even votes can all be stored here. So the record created in the database can be verified by everyone in the community. And this is known as distributed property. So essentially it would be an accessible list of like every transaction. So I could look up my name and then it would have all my transactions and anyone could see it. So it's a way of kind of like verifying, um, like verifying and having everything out in the open. So it would mean that you could do away with like like tax fraud and things like that because you could actually oh. just access everyone's info but at the same time like how do we make sure that people aren't fudging that and like making it look like something it's not or like taking Completely. advantage of that and like the idea of one corp owning and controlling all these different things is just sketchy to me like how can you trust one person exactly so that's why i'm like Everything I, like, read and watched was just like, oh, it's going to be so great because, like, we're going to be free, right? And it's like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, there's a Free, whole but then every every little thing that means something to you, like your money, your property, your objects are all 
um, they're all in the hands of one company. So if yeah. that, anything happens to that company, there's no like, well, at least I still have this. Exactly. And it's web based. So what happens if a server goes down? Because like, yeah, things don't just exist in the cloud. Like the cloud we exists you, on Rogers. a server. Exactly. What if we had <laughs> a, a Rogers situation happen? But like with everything you own, that could be terrifying. Uh, yeah, it could ruin your life. Yeah. So essentially... Um, what that would mean is, uh, so I, I kind of talked about this already, but I'll go, I'll say it again. So like, yeah. imagine having like wills and contracts that you don't need an executor for to become reality, or even you could have an idea and you wouldn't need to file a patent to make sure that it stays original to you. Ooh. It would do away with all that paperwork and all that kind of thing. Okay. I see the advantage to those things. See? Though. Right. Some of those things that are just like, oh, this is so annoying that I have to do this. Um, that could do away with it. But again, there's other things that's like, it, like, for example, like insurance, um, like insurance companies, pension funds, brokerage firms, oh. like banks, again, like all of that could also be gone. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's at a big cost. Because like, I see the innovation part to it. Like if you yeah. were someone who didn't have the means, but you had a great idea, this would be amazing for you. Exactly. But then if you're thinking longevity, if you don't have a pension, like teachers, for example, we rely on that by the end of our careers. That'd be um, that'd be pretty difficult. Right? Exactly. And like, even if you had a, p- a pension, are you managing it yourself? Like, what if yeah. you fuck up? Like, any, again, <laughs> anything could happen. Or the server wipes and then your pension is gone. Like, so many things could happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like world changing. This is what you're describing to me. It is. It exactly is. And again, like for me, it's scary because I'm like, I don't want the world to change like this. And it might not. It might not happen. But this is what all of the metaverse people are saying, like, is so amazing about the metaverse. Okay. So every transaction that's recorded on this public ledger um, that I've mentioned is called blockchain. So the ledger is called blockchain. So blockchain is just keeping track of all of your digital assets and things that you've purchased. And essentially, blockchain technology, it's a shared, so the exact definition I got is a shared immutable ledger that facilitates the process of recording transactions and tracking assets and assets in a business network the asset can be tangible so it can be a house car cash land or it can be intangible so intellectual property patents copyrights brandings like logos things like that and virtually anything of value value can be tracked and traded on a blockchain network reducing the risk and cutting costs for all involved is what it says yeah wow (laughs) which is crazy so i'm guessing I like I don't know this for sure, but the way I'm seeing it is it's almost like, you know, how every computer has an IP address. So I'm guessing like when you purchase something, it would have its own unique identity and an IP address and everything else. And that would be available on the blockchain ledger. And so you could see exactly that. OK, I did this thing at this time and that's my unique identity. So therefore, I own this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It really does make me think of The Sims with like the online store and you can just, any category, it's there and you can purchase it right away. Exactly, exactly. So Decentraland is one uh, web-based 3D platform that is like probably one of the most cutting edge versions of the metaverse. It's actually working. You can go in and you can have a, um, you can make stores and you can have an avatar. So you basically have like an avatar that's like, again, like The Sims, like your digital copy of yourself. And that's how you navigate this world and you can own a house you can um have a car like all of these things and it all exists virtually 
So, oh my gosh. Yes, it's insane. So you can buy virtual plots of land and you can buy, um, all of these things are done through NFTs uh, using cryptocurrency. I'll explain what an NFT is in a minute. Uh, so essentially I said Sims, but with actual money and ownership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like scary. Um, terrifying. Terrifying. So what are NFTs? Uh, NFTs are a non-fungible token NFTs are also a huge buzzword right now. So mm -hmm. what it means is that token, so the token is essentially anything. So it's art, an object, an idea, whatever. Oh. And it is entire, um, that is non-fungible. So it's entirely unique and cannot be exchanged for another thing. So if I give, so if you give me a $10 bill, let's say, and then I give you two $5 bills, we both still have $10. Like there's this equal value. They're basically the same. But with NFTs, I couldn't trade my NFT for your NFT and have them be the same. So they could like still look similar, but I will always own that unique thing and you will always own that unique thing. So this gives everything a unique value, a unique identity, and it means that they can only be owned by one person. Oh, wow. So the worst part about NFTs, in my opinion, is that they are entirely virtual. So people are literally spending millions of dollars on like the stupidest shit just because it's an NFT. It's like a meme, a random piece of artwork. Yeah. And like some of them are just like, it's just insane. Just so you can have the novelty of like having it because it's unique and it will always appreciate in value because you can never exchange it. Just like I guess kind of like art's the same thing. Like you can have a a print of an art piece, but the original one is priceless. Like that's what's going to have the value and only one person can own it or a museum can own it and everyone could see it. That would also be great. With NFTs, you don't have that. People can't see it, right? Yeah, it literally sounds like the worst part of the art world where like a rich person comes, buys a piece of art and then squirrels it away in their secret vault and they're like, well, I own it. And exactly. that's just the point of it. Exactly. And that's why I'm like so against it. So some of these NFTs, I looked up like some of the most like top selling NFTs that ever happened. I think the like highest one was like 90 million or something crazy like that. Oh. Yeah. And again, they're, they're all done by like, it's interesting though. Um, it'd be interesting to like do a little bit more of a deep dive into this if we wanted to later on. There's a lot of NFT artists who are like specifically doing digital art for people to own through NFTs. So one of them, uh, which is called CryptoPunk. Dollar sign seven five two three is a digital avatar that was purchased for eleven point seven million dollars, and it's literally just a picture like a pixelated dude with a red beanie, a gold earring, and a face mask. No, that's it. No. Yeah. So it's basically like a they they're calling it like an alien skin. So it's, it's like an avatar, right? That you can like own. Um, okay. So it's incredibly expensive, but it's also like very iconic, I guess, and that's why someone would want to own it. But like, <laughs> like who's buying that? Yeah. And what? It, like, I. It's so crazy. So I think that one was made by an artist called I think his name's called Pack. Well, th they're like a Banksy. That's what's interesting about all these artists. They're all like Banksy, so you don't actually know their name or their oh, gender, their identity, their, what they look like. Nothing. It's just like huh. these random people that make this random art and then people buy it for a lot of money. <laughs> oh my God. And that probably helps their case too. Cause it's like that whole, it adds to that whole exclusive part where it's just like, there's a lot of mystery and intrigue and you just want to be one of the only people to have that. Like, exactly. It's, it's something that's people are talking about. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So now that we understand that, 
Okay, here we go. So if anyone can create, acquire, or own the digital versions of actual objects, what does that mean for museums? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It's very crazy. So I'll go in, I'll go into a little bit more and then maybe we'll have a little bit of a better idea about how to answer that question. So uh, I'm going to do a quick shout out to season one, episode 10. If you're very interested in museums and just kind of understanding them as a whole, highly recommend you check that episode out. Um, but I stole a couple things from that episode. And one of them is just like, how do we actually understand what a museum is? And like, how do we define a museum? And if you haven't listened to that episode, you might not know that like defining what a museum is, is like the most controversial topic within the museum it completely world, is. <laughs> which is just like why it sounds so dumb, but it's so convoluted. I think the biggest issue is that anything can be considered history. The moment it gets old, yeah. it's like this can be mem like memorialized even. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, again, who owns it? Who can see it? Um, all those kinds of things. So what I draw drew from is one of the like more accredited, but also one of the most contested definitions, which is the ICOM or International Council of Museums definition. Uh, and they say that a museum is a non-for-profit permanent institution in the service of society that researches, collects, conserves, interprets, and exhibit tangible and intangible heritage. Open to the public, accessible and inclusive museums foster diversity and sustainability. They operate and communicate ethically, professionally, and with the participation of communities, offering varied experiences for education, enjoyment, reflection, and knowledge sharing. I love that definition. I really do. It is really good, but so much of it is like, oh, that is not metaverse. Like, no, that no. does not fit. Like, non-for-profit, definitely yeah, not. Already Permanent out. institution. It's permanent, but it's digital. I don't know if that's the same. Accessibility. Accessibility. Absolutely not there. That anyone can, like, yeah, actually go and see it and that they don't have to pay for it. And these all these things are, like, maintained and taken care of. We don't know if any of that is actually happening in the metaverse. Yeah. So, with that, are museums already embracing the metaverse? Some of them are. Um, one that isn't like the best example I could find isn't an actual museum, but it's Sotheby's, which is a very, very famous auction house. They auction off all sorts of art and priceless objects, and they actually have their own Sotheby's store inside Decentraland. But like it also makes sense because that's what we were talking about. All of it is about purchasing things that are exclusive. So of course, a of course, Sotheby's. Yeah, they yeah. would love this. Yeah, that's wild. It's just it's just wild. It's, it's just so unhinged. So I read this article by QZM. I can link it in the show notes. And it said that in particular, artists and collectors are beginning to occupy virtual worlds, which offer new potential for social exchange, as well as for creating, showcasing, selling and purchasing digital artworks. This is true. Like a lot of us, like digital art is a whole new medium. We're not just making traditional art on like a canvas or on paper anymore. We can also make it digitally. Um, as creative media expert Dirin Dasu noted recently in Art Newspaper, the metaverse presents a possible future where creators, gallerists, and collectors can actually interact in a space untethered from their physical, physical location. So essentially a little bit more of an open market between art and that kind of thing. But my issue with that is still is the ownership, right? Like it's still like, well, it's only gallerists and collectors owning and engaging with this art and not everyone else who should also see it exactly it's still that exclusive thing which totally doesn't align with our definition of museums exactly 
So for many artists, the metaverse and NFTs have the potential to overcome the common barriers and traditional elitism that afflict the art world. I don't know if I agree with that at all, because like there's still a lot of elitism there. Yeah, completely. Just as NFTs may help artists to create and share their art in a way that hadn't previously been afforded to them, the metaverse offers a platform for creators to connect with collectors and curators outside the bounds of the traditional art market. The metaverse also has the capacity to democratize the historically exclusive pastime of collecting art by transcending issues related to storage, location, display, transparency, authenticity, and accessibility. Hmm. Because somehow the internet is accessible for every single Yeah, like what the heck? Um, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And even the product of just having a VR, like the glasses, is not even accessible. And again, we're still playing in like the rich man's game here of the art world and the market. It is already something that's exclusive. And now they're saying, let's make another step up that people can't reach. Exactly. So yeah, that is just like huge issue for me as well. Um, and if you're not like as familiar with museums, like again, we talked about the, the description, like the whole point of a museum is for to preserve these things for people to see for like as long as we possibly can. But if we're only buying and selling and not like, like museums are outside of buying and selling, you know, like, yeah, and, and outside of ownership, because it's like ownership, but you it's being looked after and then everyone can see it because it's their prerogative like we should be able to see these things and engage with these things and not just you know miss out because we don't have wi-fi or we can't afford nfts or all this kind of stuff did you have any thoughts or i also have some discussion questions i'm i'm ready for the discussion questions because i think you you really covered that really well (laughs) okay perfect uh if you can think about your favorite museum imagine the metaverse version of it so to me if you play animal crossing you know how you have a museum and then you go in and there's like a digital museum and they have the like the copies of the paintings that you have to buy and then they go on the wall like to me that's kind of what a metaverse museum would look like but imagine your favorite museum or like your favorite piece of art and then imagine how different that would be experiencing it in the metaverse rather than real life Ugh, i think it just wouldn't work out because some of my favorite museums are like historical sites where like the whole point is being in the physical space and feeling like you've been transported in time and then there's just some things that the internet can't convey like environment like as much as it can it can maybe look and sound like it but just the the feeling like the physical feeling of being somewhere that would be lost it's so true and like with historic spots too like if you just make a digital copy of it, like you're like the whole point of it being preserved and it being historic is gone because you're not there. Yeah. Like in some way it's preserved. Sure. It's like the same thing as taking a picture, but it's, it's not the same as experiencing it. Yeah. Hmm. But then if we think about, okay, let's maybe think about art. Um, you know, what's the difference between seeing a reproduction of the Mona Lisa and seeing the real Mona Lisa in real life, you know? So does that apply to the metaverse? There are a lot of people that argue that, okay, well, you're still going to get the same emotions, the same, like, feeling seeing a replica if you know it. Probably if you don't know it, you'll get even more emotions. And, like, at the end, if they were like, oh, it's actually fake. Because that does happen with a lot of pieces where they're like, actually, it's not safe to exhibit it. So we just keep it safe over here and then you see the replica. So doing that in a digital form, like, 
does that kind of do the same thing where like it still kind of stands in for that or is there something missing i think there's something missing because i even um for those who who are in university or even taking art history classes you've probably heard of um walter benjamin and he talks about that like the aura of a piece like there's just some intangible part of being in the presence of art that just can't be replicated and it's just like it has this effect on you it's it's just so much more than seeing an image of it i don't know I've never like I've never seen the Mona Lisa in person. I've had heard people say that it's a little underwhelming because she's so tiny. She's small, yeah. <laughs> she's very small, and it's hard to see her. But there is something to being in her presence and like looking right into the eyes and knowing that like someone like a, a famous artist, or it could be any other painting, where it's just like knowing that it was created by the hands of someone else who is, is like there's just so much intention there compared to an image or a replica that was just done for maybe profit or just maybe I don't know with other with other intentions that weren't the original ones I don't know it's hard to explain because I think that's the biggest part of it like when you see an artwork in in real life there's just like this indescribable connection between you and the piece yeah exactly I agree and that's the thing you don't get that in a digital space and even like again like you mentioned like you know a lot of your favorite museums are like historic sites as well yeah like even just like being in a museum space even if it's not like you know you're not in the louvre which was a, a you know palace so you get the actual architecture of the building and the art itself but like just being in those spaces and again too like in the metaverse i don't know if you have like metaverse guides that come up and are like yeah. hey you know do you have questions or are there going to be labels on things like all those things that you expect to see in a museum like will that be there will it just be completely without context or yeah or will you be able to find the whole wikipedia page on it right there and then you just you I, don't know, know. I don't know and i think we talked about that before where it's like it's not fun when you go to a museum and then you have to google it later so why would you do that in the metaverse like you'd want it to know about the piece when you're there and looking at it Exactly. You don't want to be distracted by everything else. And like, what about too, like in these digital spaces, like all of a sudden then there's like advertising and stuff that's popping up. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just totally doesn't make any sense. Like if you're going to a museum, you're looking at a painting and then maybe the painting like shifts to like an ad and then like shifts back, (laughs) you know? Like way to ruin an experience, especially like when we were talking with Katie about like the long looking practice where you might be in the middle of creating a thought or like working through some emotions and then boom, buy buy this from Wendy's and you'll be like, what the heck? Like you'll be (laughs) completely thrown off. It's like, I don't want a Frosty right now. Yeah. And then you'd come back to the painting and be like, uh, I don't know. Ooh, I had another question that I just, like, randomly thought of, and I don't even know how we can address it. What does it mean for art, or I guess, like, objects, too, when anyone can draw a stick figure or plagiarize something but use blockchain to prove ownership? So, like, I drew this random thing, and... Somehow it's now worth millions of dollars because it's it's just because it's unique, like just because it's an NFT, just because it's its own thing. Yeah, that's crazy to me. I feel like it would like interest in the piece or even just like someone willing to buy it does influence its value because that's even the same thing within the art world. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Right. I know. And again, like everything is art, right? So like, Mm -hmm. who am I to say like, that's not art? 
Exactly. That's but, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. There's some pretty modern pieces out there where I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I don't get it. I don't know what it means, but it is in the museum. So it means something. Yeah. And if someone were to buy a million, like something, were to buy it for a million dollars, it means something to that person. Yeah, that's true. It could help a lot of people like who are trying to be artists and like also um, like you maybe if you think about it the opposite way instead of like museums make it more accessible like maybe through the metaverse like more people would see it like instead of a curator going through and be like that I don't want that but I want this Mm -hmm. like the fact that you could kind of see everything I'm not like that's also really cool and so like as soon as the ownership part comes in it's like it just kind of ruins everything it gets really messy like I think it falls back to what I was trying to say earlier with like intentions where if it's like it was created just to to make money I think it's harder to connect to it like I I connect more with art pieces that have um like that are social commentary or that um that just have a lot of history embedded in it but if that art piece was only made to be sold and to show um like status and wealth I'm probably not going to like it that much because it's not going to really mean anything to me personally yeah it's so true and like so many art pieces too like you wouldn't even be able to translate them into the metaverse so many of them rely on you know like actually like touching or like interacting with it and like as soon as you remove that relationship with the viewer and like the creator like is it art like is it the same thing anymore right that's that's actually a fantastic point because there's a lot of performance pieces that are meant to be experienced only once so if you were to like record it and save it put it in the metaverse it's like it ruins the whole point of it it's so true yeah i didn't even think about that point until it just came out of my mouth and i was like wait yeah (laughs) yeah like some things aren't meant to be like held in place like even some art pieces are meant to evolve and grow over time as people either interact with it or change it and if it were just frozen in the metaverse as one image it's like it just defeats the purpose and even loses value i would argue um yeah exactly it's the same thing because like if it's just a passive thing like it's not as cutting edge or i don't know again unique like i know uniqueness is a huge part of the metaverse yeah i think if we could do it where and I don't know if this will be a future if museums begin to enter the the metaverse is where they maybe they won't do any of the cryptocurrency or anything and maybe it will just be like a virtual thing because like I think right now like Decentraland and stuff like you can create an account for free and like look at things for free but then like you can also buy things you know to like have a house and like have all these things and like that's the only way you're gonna if you're like doing investment where like you want to make money off of it I don't know if it's going to be that, like, the museum is the, is the, kind of the opposite, where it's more like a game where you can go in and just, like, walk around. But I don't know. I don't know either. Again, it's like, who who owns that museum? Because, like, people own museums right now. But, like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen if we translate that into a digital thing and the museum itself becomes an NFT and suddenly, you know, yeah. it's so rare that, you know, you can't like- access it. Yeah, exactly. Who says that whoever owns the museum is just going to be like, I'm shutting the doors today and it's only for those who are willing to pay me this much amount in Bitcoin. Yeah, it's like so not fair. No. It's, again, and it's like not even a museum at that point, because if you look at the definition of museum, it's not that's not what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> and I think especially with like what we established at the beginning, like a lot of like the purpose of metaverse right now is just to show wealth or gain money. And it's all about like the transaction and making that 800 billion so where do museums fit into that when their whole mandate is about accessibility and being open and providing education and a space for everyone? 
like it just doesn't like the both the mandate of the metaverse and that those museums they just don't click not at all exactly but if we want to have an actual metaverse where everything is a copy of the physical world then we might we still have to have museums or maybe we don't i don't know maybe it's a world without museums but Mm. i mean and theoretically if we were to think about like how they just don't drive yeah there would be no museums but it's already happening they're already there with the nfts yeah exactly it's so true well maybe i will will end the discussion with just like what's like what's okay and i know it's hard because there's like a lot of different variables but like what do you think museums in the metaverse good bad somewhere in between i think yeah it's definitely somewhere in between like there's a lot of good to making if it is making things accessible and showing art pieces that wouldn't you you wouldn't normally see like i can even imagine like we spoke about those pieces that can't be shown in public because of like let's say lighting or environmental issues if you were to make a really good scan of it and then the only place that you could actually see it and experience it is in the metaverse that would be amazing and you could do your virtual reality so you could like actually see every aspect of it that like you yeah. wouldn't see just like in a case like yeah mm-hmm. yeah like stuff that couldn't ever be put in front of the public because of those concerns if they could get on the metaverse that'd be really interesting but i do yeah as as i've been saying throughout this episode i do worry about the uh the the already the bad part of the art world seeping into the metaverse where people are going to buy these art pieces and then hide them from everyone just because they can exactly yeah and like i feel like the more that we do that with art where like everything has value like when everything has value then nothing has value if that makes sense yeah no it does i think i i'm in the same spot as you where like i definitely see some good parts and some bad parts like especially a lot of these things are already happening in museums with like virtual reality augmented reality where you can use your phone to like experience the museum in a different way so that would be really cool um but yeah it's just for me it's like the money part like I, i agree with you it's just like right now it just feels like it's such like a capitalist enterprise instead of like while they're saying like we're gonna do away with banks and we're gonna do away with you know the the big man upstairs and it's all gonna be free and open but it's like but it's not because it's it's all money (laughs) yeah exactly you're still describing a big man setup (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah that was a good discussion i'm glad i agree glad we talked about it me too Um, yeah so let us know what you guys think uh, in the comments or maybe we could even do I'll do like a, a couple social media posts and we can get some people talking um, after you listen to this and after you maybe understand what the metaverse is or if I did something wrong and like you know more about the metaverse out there please let us know you could let us, us know DM us uh, we want to hear your thoughts uh, I don't know if you are in the metaverse currently if you're one of those rare people that's like walking around the Sotheby's online <laughs> yeah let us know yeah if if experiencing art through the metaverse is actually similar to in person let us know how you feel does do you get the same emotions just looking at it through um the virtual lens yeah exactly okay well with that uh we will see you on the flippity flop flippity flop (laughs) insert mark zuckerberg quote here yeah scary lizard dude (laughs) digital dust is recorded on the traditional lands of the anishinaabek 
Haudenosaunee, Lenapawak, and Attawandaran peoples on lands connected with the London Township and Somber Treaties of 1796 and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant Wampum. This land continues to be home to First Nations peoples, Métis people, and Inuit people whom we recognize as the contemporary stewards of the land and waters we are on today. Digital Dust is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Edwards, Katie Gaskin, Patrick Kingen, and Robin Marshall. Sound design by Elizabeth Edwards. Audio transcription by Katie Gaskin. Our theme music is by Mattias Miller. <laughs>